Jesus was never afraid to ask his followers to do difficult things. Love your enemies? Really? Seek first the kingdom of God? First? Enter by the narrow gate? A restricted way of life? And obviously, the list could go on and on. You could name a number of other things. But how about this one in John 13? You heard the reading from verses 34 and 35, read well, but I want to read it again. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. As you look at those two verses and think about difficult things, your first inclination would likely be that it's going to be difficult to love one another. And sometimes it is. But I'm not sure that the greater difficulty in verses 34 and 35 is not stated in these words. As I have loved you. Love one another as I have loved you. Can we really love like Jesus loved? It's going to be a challenge, you can be certain of that. It may be one thing to say you love other people, but to say I love the way Jesus loved. Obviously, of course, anytime you're talking about love, you're talking about a matter of great importance. And, and we know that that's true because of the way that the Bible emphasizes love. There are many more than 200 references to love in the New Testament alone. Many other references to love in the Old Testament. And so it's a prominent biblical idea about love. But, but beyond that, not just the emphasis, but how enormous the scope of love really is. See, it involves both deity and humanity. The Bible teaches that God loves us and we are to love him and to love others. And, and when we're loving each other, we're to love friends and family and spiritual family and yes, even our enemies. It's a part of all we do. Paul would write in 1 Corinthians 16 and verse 14, let all, listen, let all that you do be done with love. What a challenge. Let all that you do be done with love. Not only emphasized, not only normal, enormous, it's really essential, mandatory. First John 4 verse 8, John would write, He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Or when you get to the latter part of verse 16 of John 4, 1 John 4, he who abides, listen, in love, abides in God and God in him. 
See all those connections? If you abide in love, you abide in God, and God abides in you. Paul sums it up well in 1 Corinthians 13 when he says, Without love, nothing else really has value. And when he reaches the conclusion of that great love chapter, he says, The greatest of these is love. And so the question this morning is, how do we love as Jesus loved? How are we going to do that? You could approach it, I suppose, a number of different ways. I'm going to just mention three keys that are necessary if we're going to love as Jesus loved. The first of them, obviously, would be we really need to understand what love is. Does that sound like I'm saying something silly? Everybody knows what love is, right? No. No, they don't. Many modern Americans don't really understand the way love is used in the Bible and the love God wants us to have. And that's due in part to the impossible burden of our English word, love. The burden it carries. You see, here are a group of people standing together and a dreamy-eyed youth says, I think I'm in love. And, and, and someone else in the group says, well, I don't know about that, but I can tell you what I love. I love bluebell ice cream. A third person says, not as much as I love my new car. And someone says, well, I'll tell you the truth. I love my Aunt Susie. You see, there is one word describing different situations and emotions. Love. We just, it's a blanket word. Greek-speaking people during the time uh, the New Testament was being written did not have that problem. They didn't have the problem we have. Because their language was more precise in many cases than ours, and they had four different words for love. And they could select a word that would fit the kind of love they were talking about. One of those words identified sexual passion. It's not even used in the New Testament. Because the connotation of it by the time the New Testament was written was not a good one. Erotic love, misplaced love in most cases. The second word associated family love. And the third one had to do with affections of feeling or warmth that would generally be associated with friendship, the love of friends. And of course, the fourth word, and most here today know this, used predominantly in the New Testament, reflected a desire to do what was best for the object of one's love. It, it wasn't based on glands or genetics or good feelings even. It was an intentional act of the will. To have that kind of love was something that you did on purpose. You weren't swept up in it. It wasn't because of familial relationships you intended to love. 
And that is the word that Jesus used in John 13, 34, and 35. So you need to understand that. We're not talking about dreamy love. We're not talking about family love. We're talking about an intentional act to seek what's best for others. But we need more than understanding. We also need to have an appreciation for what love does. Turn in your Bible, if you will, to Ephesians, the third chapter. I'll give you a moment to get there. Ephesians 3. In Ephesians 3, the Apostle Paul offers a beautiful prayer for the Ephesian Christians. And in verse 14, he says this. For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with the fullness of God. Now, how does that help us to love like Jesus loved? Well, in part, I think it helps when we consider the dimensions that Paul mentions here. How wide is the Lord's love? Wide enough to die for all people. Not just one nation, not just one ethnicity, not just one color of skin. Jesus' love is so wide that he died for everyone. And how far does that love extend? John 15, 13 says, Greater love has no man than this, that, than to lay down one's life for his friends. You can be sure that Jesus died for his friends, and yet the length of the Lord's love goes much further than that. Paul writes in Romans 5, beginning at verse 6, For when we were still without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's the link. That's how far his love goes. It goes so far that he would die for people who weren't his friends and who in fact were his enemies. How deep does that love reach? It reaches down to the very worst of sinners. It's not just for the good or the almost good people. It's for the bad people too. Even those who put the Lord to death were told on the day of Pentecost, according to Acts 2, that salvation was available to them. The very killers of Christ. That's how great His love is. And how high is it? Romans 8.39 says, Nor height nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. 
It has been suggested that the height of that love can be seen in how that love lifts us up. Roger, thank you for leading that song. I didn't ask him to do that. But we often sing, love lifted me. And you and I recognize if we have been lifted by that love that we've come out of the mire of sin to become the very children of God. And someday God's will, love will lift up the saved even to heaven itself. Our appreciation of the Lord's love is certainly strengthened when we see how determined he was to show it. He endured the agony of crucifixion because of his love for us. And, and, and sometimes we, we need to step back a little bit and think more seriously about him giving himself, knowing what was ahead. This was no mystery to Jesus that he was going to die. He knew he was going to die. He knew how he was going to die. He knew the agony of that death. And yet he died anyway. Why? Because he loved us. It wasn't based on what we did or what we would do or what we deserved. It wasn't conditioned even on everyone accepting that love. Jesus knew when he died that not everyone was going to appreciate his death. In fact, some would mock it. But he died anyway because he loved. Understanding is important and appreciation certainly is needed, but there's one more essential step, I think. You have to practice that same love. Well, let's be honest. Let's face it, okay? It's one thing to understand how Jesus loved, and it's another thing to actually practice the kind of love he had. In theory, we can welcome it. We can say it's wonderful. But do we demonstrate it? The Lord didn't just talk about loving the Father and loving others. He showed that love, demonstrated it. And he expects us to imitate the love he had. Not to theoretically accept it, but to actually imitate it. None of us, I think, are bold enough to say that we do it consistently or that we do it perfectly. But we have to keep trying. And, and we should never be satisfied in our lives about the way we love until the end of our lives. That we keep on working at loving like Jesus loved. It's a challenge for all. We know this. We will never love like he loved until we love him. I couldn't imagine a person arguing, I can love like Jesus loved even though I don't love him. Wouldn't happen. But if you love him, it's going to have to include this. John 14 verse 15. From his own lips, if you love me, keep my commandments. You're not going to love like Jesus loved unless you love him and keep his commandments. 
And his commandments included the idea that you must believe that he is he, that is, the one who can save you, or you will be lost in your sins. It means that you must turn from your sins in repentance, or you will be lost in your sins. You need to confess him before men, being unashamed to take him for being the Savior of the world, and then to be baptized into him so you can have a resurrection like him. If you haven't done that, you need to do it. We can help you do it, and we can help you do it today. But if you're a child of God and you're not living as you should be living, and part of that living problem is you're not really loving like Jesus loved. You don't love others, and in not loving others, you're showing that you don't love him. If you need to change, we'll help you by praying with you and for you. If you need to come, come while we stand and sing.